You're listening to the Talking OTC Commodities podcast series, brought to you by the Global Commodities Team at EEX Group. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Episode 8 of Talking OTC Commodities, brought to you by EEX Group. I'm Michael Mervyn-Jones, and in this episode, we're going to examine the outlook for PPAs and long-term hedging in a post-COVID world. Now, as usual, I'm joined by a fantastic panel of experts, including Viviana Ciancibello, Senior Business Developer at EEX. Hello. Jorge Arenales, VP of Energy Management at Sonodix, the global solar independent power producer. Hi, thanks for having me. And last, but by no means least, Jay Rostulka, Head of Structured Trading for Power at uh, the leading energy company and one of the largest power generators in the world, Uniper. Hi, good afternoon. Thanks for having me join the panel. A big welcome to you all and thanks for your time. I think we'd all agree that 2020 has really turned out to be a year like no other and one that we certainly didn't didn't expect. But before we assess the impact of COVID, um, perhaps it would be good to take a few steps back and discuss the rise in PPAs uh, and long-term hedging over the past few years. Jorge, I'd like to bring you in here. Um, you're responsible for PPA origination at Sonodex, so perhaps um, you can help us here. Can you give us a, a potted history of PPAs? What actually is a PPA and why have they become so important? Well, um, thank you, Michael. Well, basically, PPAs are a vital instrument for bankability of renewable projects, mainly during the times when government subsidies are fading out. Uh, as you know, uh, PPAs play a really important role for companies like Sonedix or other independent power producers in order to contract our revenue. Uh, PPAs are power purchase agreements that are negotiating, negotiated between two counterparties and they allow to specify every single clause that is uh, required in the market. So in our side, from, from the seller's point of view, we are able to sell our electricity to a counterparty at a fixed price or a variable price, but, but we get some uh, contracted revenues in the market and the off-taker takes the electricity for us in the long term. So that helps us out to analyze our projects better and to make the, the projects bankable. Thanks, Jorge. Perhaps you could tell the listeners a little bit more as to why PPAs have become so important in recent years. Well, from my perspective, it's basically because uh, government subsidies are fading out. Uh, as you know, uh, there was a lot of regulatory, uh, regulatory schemes across Europe and other countries outside Europe. Uh, and obviously, uh, PPAs or bilateral contracts uh, were, were necessary in order to make your projects viable because you have all their alternatives. But right now, with uh, this situation of a more, of a more merchant exposure in the market, uh, PPAs are, are an important and a vital role here because they allow us to contract our energy in the, in the long term. So this is the reason why in the last five years or something like that, PPAs are playing this vital role. Uh, it's just because of that, because uh, the way uh, sellers were used to sell the electricity into the market uh, via subsidies or government uh, renewables, uh, renewable auctions or things like that, right now are not 
are fading out and therefore we need other instruments to contract our revenues and to to make our 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 revenues more more stable that's great thanks Jorge Viviana same question to you I guess but um, from the the long-term hedging perspective what's the relationship between PPAs and long-term hedging and how has long-term hedging evolved over the last five to ten years well although PPAs do provide um, a baseline revenue and, and a first level of stability to renewable energy projects uh, there's still risks that arise when signing a PPA or after the conclusion of a PPA. And one of the most important risks um, that can be quantified up to 70% of the risk, as I understand, is price risk. And so this is um, the risk of being exposed to fluctuating market prices. Um, for example, for the volume that PPA doesn't or the PPA doesn't cover, um, but I'm sure Jorge and Jay could, could elaborate on that further. But um, in any case, there is this price risk that risk that is created and that has to be hedged um you know there's only so many risk so much risk that uh players can have on their own books and they want to be able to offload that and manage that so that's where uh the exchange trading comes in uh because of course we've always been the home of price risk management and um and what we found that is in spain which was really the first market where um you know, the government stopped offering subsidies for renewable energy projects. What it's created was a need for long-term hedging because, of course, PPAs are long-term agreements. So this means that the price risk is created for a much longer tenor than uh, we've seen previously um, for conventional power. And um, it was actually quite funny. I think this goes back to 2018, May 2018, in fact, um, when we had a trader party in Madrid. So the good old days of of trader parties and um and I, I literally just said to the you know to everyone who was gathered there like hey did you know that we have six years available for trading and clearing already um and it was almost like a light bulb moment and a few days later we had our first long-term hedge in spain where um two counterparties registered a deal otc so that means that they negotiated on the price and the volume before and then they placed the deal on exchange um, for the full six calendar years. And since then, we've had 33 of those deals with almost 16 terawatt hours in total traded. Varying tenors, it can be six years, it can be four, it can start from front months or quarters and then go into the cows. Um, it can, they've usually been at a flat price, but they can also be registered at variable prices. So we've really seen great uptake in Spain. Um, and that's kind of where it all started. So everything was going great and then bam! COVID lands. Jay, I'd like to bring you in here. Uh, as a leading energy company, Uniper must be used to fluctuation and disruption of markets. In your opinion, what impact has COVID had on PPAs and long-term hedging? Oh, you know, that's a good question because it, it's really hard to pull those things out. But, um, you know, I, I think it's definitely had a significant impact on um, on the PPA market. You know, when COVID first arrived in, in March, um, it this was shortly after eWorld, you know, which is a you know, big energy conference here in Europe, and there was a lot of buzz, and, and people were excited about you know, prospects for 2020. And then, yeah, the first lockdowns came in, in March, and there was still a lot of this energy and a lot of people talking, and it wasn't even clear that there was a slowdown. But then, you know, in a matter of three or four weeks, it was clear, okay, there's a lot of talk, but actually the ability to put a PPA together to get lawyers in place, to get counterparties talking, to 
get people to, to focus on on things other than you know, the world around them. Um, it, it was just not happening. So things really did slow down, I think, on the PPA negotiation front um, through most of Q2. I, th I think that's, that's turned around a little bit um, over the summer period. You know, uh, we did, I think we've seen a lot of slowdowns, and, and Jorge can probably comment a lot better on this, but slowdowns on um, supply lines and, and actual project builds. I mean, there's, there's been delays there, and that's going to be harder to overcome, especially now heading into this, this winter period and seemingly you know, more lockdowns and, and impact from, from the COVID virus. But, but I do really think commercially and in the PPA space, things have started to pick back up again. Um, I, I've noticed, at least on, on our side, conversations have begun a lot more in earnest over the last six to eight weeks. Um, we, we see bankable projects coming through that we can have a look at and, and participate and, and offer offtake and, and hedging solutions um, to these independent power producers. And you know, I think the prospects are, are quite good for 2021. Um, it's, you know, I, I'd say on the hedging side of the equation, it, it really has been business as usual. I mean, maybe we haven't, the industry hasn't had the same number of onboarded volumes as, as we might've liked to see, but there's still existing positions um, to, to trade around, to hedge, to de-risk. Um, and, and that's still a very active um, uh, thing for us. And actually we've seen a lot of volatility in the, in the commodity markets uh, through this year, partly as a result of, of COVID. And that certainly made it so that traders have to remain sharp and active in, in the market. Uh, markets don't go to sleep. Jay, thanks for that. Jorge, let's bring you back in here. I mean, would you share uh, Jay's view here? Would you see things uh, in the same light? Yeah, completely. Uh, I agree with Jay because, uh, as we said, the COVID outbreak is damaging some existing PPAs and also delaying new PPA negotiations. This is a, a, a two-way um, impact that COVID is having. The first one is supply chain disruptions are expected to significantly hamper under construction projects with already negotiated PPAs, leading to increased project costs and diminished developer margins. And on the other hand, in terms of new PPA negotiations, as you know, PPAs are typically negotiated and at discounts to the wholesale electricity price and therefore drops in the wholesale prices impact the PPA pricing structure and consequently the viability of projects in the short term. PPA negotiations have particularly slowed down due to the drop in electricity prices and with the extent of the ongoing COVID-19 restrictions unknown, it is difficult to estimate a correct pricing structure that would offer good terms for developers in the current environment. So situation is complex, not just in general for the new PPA negotiations, but also for the existing PPAs. But yeah, completely agree with Jay. Yeah. Um, and, and Viviana, coming back to you, I mean, from the exchange perspective, what about the, the, the long-term hedging from, from the exchange perspective since COVID? I mean, has it been a major impact? How has it looked for, for us at EEX, for example? Right. Well, for us, of course, um, the, the shock of COVID created a lot of volatility, um, a lot of trading. Therefore, as traders adjusted their positions, um, there was obviously quite a sharp drop in power prices, um, which then had the impact on PPA prices and negotiations. Um, but for us, uh, you know, we, we look at um, markers of, of where we can also provide stability. And I think we were able to do that quite well 
during um, that turbulent period. And um, also importantly, things like our margins um, didn't change too much. So the initial margin, for example, that's um, kind of a factor of volatility in some way because it is based on a long look back period. Um, it doesn't necessarily uh, change quickly when there's short term market shocks. So that's, I think, also a good thing for traders to be aware of. Um, of course, then, you know, another interesting thing we looked at um, was the difference between, you know, daily price movements um, in the short term cows versus the long term cows. So this is more towards variation margin, which is another important um, factor to take into account when placing long term hedges. And um, so usually the Cal plus six, for example, um, price doesn't move very much on a day to day basis, which means that the, there's a, a very significant amount of variation margin that's charged. Whereas um, there was some volatility, of course, during COVID, but then after that, the long term prices stayed at a baseline. So I think uh, that shows as well that the market expects recovery and stability going forward. Thanks for that, Viviana. And actually, you've um, you've answered my next question, which was to do with the short term impact. Let's look a little bit more long term now. Um, I know it seems uh, quite far away, but there is going to come a time where we are in a position where we are post COVID. What do you guys think are the long-term impacts for PPAs and long-term hedging? I can see an, a number of possible outcomes to, to that question. I mean, I, I think for me, it, it's fairly clear that um, post-COVID, there's, there's going to be a, a lot of action um, by governments in order to re-stimulate the economy, rebuild the economy. And one of the, those actions has, that's been talked about a lot, both you know, in Europe and North America, but as well in Asia, is, is around so-called new green deals or green new deals, you know, where there's a lot of money that's, that's provided from the public sector into, into environmental uh, initiatives. And that certainly would be supportive of, of bringing more renewable generation online. In, and so a lot more solar and and wind, but then there, there's a question as to how that would look from the government. And I I wonder is you know is the government going to go back to previous sort of subsidy regimes like we saw for the first 15 years or so of of renewable development in Europe, or or they can continue down the path they've been with diminishing subsidies, but perhaps other types of incentivization. And if that's the case, I think that'll be very very supportive for the PPA market, because as Jorge said at the top, you know. PPAs have come in to replace is that stability of revenues that that the governments were originally willing to supply. And that's been pushed onto the market and to market agents such as Uniper and, and big merchant utilities. And I mean, we're very much interested in being active in that space. But if government subsidies come in and take take that over, then the need for PPAs can somewhat diminish. Um, but to me, it, it, it should likely go one of those two routes. It, it seems quite clear that, you know, I saw a political cartoon that I actually found really, you know, it's one of these memes that was online uh, when COVID first hit and, you know, showed the f a wave that said COVID and then second wave COVID was larger. And then there was this enormous wave behind it, and, you know, around climate change. And, you know, that, that really, I, I do think that the public is, is a, a, awake and aware to that. And, and certainly there's a lot more government policy that's supportive of that, certainly at the EU level. So, you know, it seems to me that that that's a fairly safe bet, but how it, how it, plays itself out and manifests itself, that's that's a more difficult question to answer. And it might actually be country by country. 
So in places like Spain, where we've seen PPAs already be successful and robust, then it, there's every reason to expect that could continue. But um, in countries like Germany, we already see some swing back towards um, more government-supported schemes. And you know that, that might undermine the prospects of, of PPAs. So it, it's also good, too, to think of it at a country or market-by-market market level. Um, yeah, Jay, I totally agree with you. That's definitely um, an interesting dynamic that we're starting to see play out in this uh, post-COVID green recovery. And obviously, as the exchange, we're really supportive of market-based solutions. Um, as you said, it's already been proven in Spain, and uh, we want to be at the center of that by offering um, long-term expiries, for example. So we're working on extending our expiries up to 10 years in Spain. Germany and Italy uh, to facilitate more of this long-term hedging and hopefully, you know, offer this um, kind of uh, way to facilitate more PPAs. Uh, so, so we shall see. We really hope that we can we can provide a strong enough argument that that market-based solutions are enough and the way to go, and the way for a mar- the market to develop in a more sustainable way instead of putting the burden on taxpayers um, to finance uh, you know, the, the huge renewable growth that will be needed to meet all of the climate targets. Completely agree, Viviana. Um, one of the, of the things that we can see right now is that we are in the middle of a storm and we don't have too much information on which to substantiate reliable forecasts. Uh, we have to be cautious and avoid an excessive pessimism and catastrophism. But uh, we will see how this evolves. One of the things that I completely agree with Jay is that a lot of government supporting schemes might come in and this might make PPAs to diminish in the in the midterm. But still, these green new deals that Jay was talking about will bring more renewable generation to the market. So this is the good news. So in general, more renewables will be coming in the market and we will see how, how we develop them but still, it's, uh, uh, these are the good news. Uh, regarding the, where do we see the PPAs, uh, as Viviana said, it's, I comp- um, from my perspective, I think this is going through a standardization, um, the creation of new products. Uh, EX is doing a great job here, trying to create new products, extend longer tenors, and this is helping uh, renewable companies as we are um, is helping us to to contract our revenues not only with the PPE market but with but also with the long term hedging. Uh, we will be able to hedge uh, longer tenors. Uh, I hope very soon, Viviana, and obviously this standardization will help everyone to make trades easily, to reduce the counterparty risk that we haven't been talking about with this COVID nineteen situation. The counterparty risk uh, when you sign a PPA is one of the main drivers and right now when you sign a long-term deal uh, for example in EX as you know uh, all the trades are cleared at the clearing house and obviously the counterparty risk is reduced so this is a very good tool that uh, renewable renewable IPPs can use in the future and we are starting using them and, and probably will 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 use more in the future that's perfect, Jorge. Thank you. Uh, top marks, definitely counterparty credit risk is, is a huge topic and um, will definitely be more significant post-COVID times as well. And uh, it only gives more 
reason uh, for people to consider trading on exchange um, for short-term PPAs as well, perhaps, you know, because as I understand, you have you know, five-year PPAs, perhaps for end of life. Maybe this is something more relevant in Germany. Um, and, uh, and of course, long-term for when you have more expiries available. Effectively, you know, what I heard Viviana and Jorge saying is, you know, there's been a move towards more standardization or a wish for more standardization within the industry. And, you know, we've certainly seen that through use of master agreement language, uh, EFIT language, et cetera, in PPAs, as well as, you know, more sophisticated range of instruments being offered by the exchanges, longer dated tenors and, and even things like peak products, et cetera. I, I, I do think it's, it's noteworthy as well. And this is something I think Uniper sees ourselves playing a strong role in is when not every independent power producer has the same risk profile and the, the same wish to hand over um, components of, of their risk profile. Some are, are willing or wishing to hang on to uh, some of their volumes for upside. Um, you know, some of them are happy enough to hang on to volume risk um, and just wish to hedge base load or, or fixed volumes, things like this. So, you know, I, I, I personally think if the, market tries to converge too much towards very, very standardized products, it, it's going to potentially be a disservice to, to some of the independent power producers. So I think, you know, having a set of building blocks that are there and known, and then allowing the, the parties on either side of the PPA to assemble, you know, the right set of, of risk transfers between them is, to me, that that's hopefully the, the solution down the road, because I think it'll, it'll retain the most flexibility that the marketplace can, can offer and provide. Yeah, completely agree, Jay. And, and, and I think in, in that situation that you that you mentioned here, the role of power traders across Europe is going to be vital because we might have uh, more flexibility with more standardized products in, in the exchanges like EX. But on the other hand, in different IPPs, with, uh, as you say, with the completely different risk profiles, we might need those traders in the market to remove part of the risk that they're bearing. So I think it's a perfect picture that you saw here about a mix between these standardized products, but also allowing for this OTC negotiation. Yeah. And that's the way it's always been, right? And I think it's just super interesting to see how these, um, you know, traditional ways of hedging and trading are now being applied to, to renewables um, and PPAs. No, it's a good point Viviana makes there. I mean, PPAs, it's, it's really a buzzy topic in the industry, but at the end of the day, it is trading. It's, it's just, you know, it's market-based solutions. It's it's trading. It, it tends to be longer tenors and there's some more complicated aspects to it, but but it, it's no different than in, in most respects than the in industry that's been around for 20 years or more. So it's, um, I, I like the point that you make. Thanks so much for that, Guy. Some really interesting points and perspectives, I think, were, were brought up there. And it's nice to see that uh, we're leaving it on a, a much more optimistic tone than perhaps some people would expect. If you have any questions relating to today's episode, by all means, get in touch. The email addresses of myself and our panel will be included in the episode notes. Until next time, stay safe. And as always, thanks for listening.